Hey friends, you're listening to the Student Ministry Sermon Podcast from First Christian Church. Our hope is that these words bless you, lead you closer to Jesus, and help you follow Him more faithfully. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy. What I wanted to do tonight, I was all like, should we just like do like an intro night and like keep it light and just like, you know, and then I thought about my commitment to not dump things down for you to honor you and to respect you. And so I was like, no, we're not going to make, like, we want you to have fun. We want you to see your peeps and enjoy, but I don't want to dump things down. Let's jump right in. Like, if you'll give me the freedom to jump right into the word, let's do this. So uh, what we're going to do this year is going to be different. Uh, We're actually going to go through straight books of the Bible, verse by verse. And here's why. Um, Because when we do topical sermon series to talk about specific things, what it does, it, it allows us, as me, it allows me, to skip over parts of the Bible that I don't like. If we do a series on relationships, which we'll probably actually get to something like that eventually, Um, but if you get a series on relationships or this or that, right, like you're kind of just picking and choosing scripture that you want to talk about, but when you go straight through a book, you have no choice but to deal with what's in there. And honestly, every verse in the Bible is important. Every verse in the Bible is needed. And so we're going to jump through and uh, we want to make sure we cover all of what God has to say to us And what I want to challenge you to do this year is I want to challenge you because people forget 92% of what they hear, which means tonight you're going to only remember 8% of what I said, and some of us probably even less. And so what I want to encourage you to do is to start writing down, taking notes during the sermon. I just restarted this practice a couple weeks ago. It's been really good for my walk with Jesus. Take notes during the sermon. We have journals for sale. We don't make a profit, Um, and in fact, we're actually losing money because tonight they're half off if you... Want one. And here's what I'm going to promise you. Um, if you take, if you can show me sermon notes um, between now, every week between now and December, which means you actually have to go back online and, and watch the ones that you weren't here for in person, um, I will take you to Six Flags in the spring. I will buy your ticket. I will take you. If you can show me legitimate, not copied sermon notes that you took on every sermon from now until the end of December, every Wednesday night, I will take you to Six Flags. And you, you, you don't even have to be here every night because you can go back and watch it online. So at the end of December, I want you to show me what you have, and I'll take you to Six Flags. And that starts next. You can start tonight, but since this is like your warning, next week starts that. So every week from now to the end of the year, I'll buy a Six Flags ticket, I'll pay for the whole thing, and we'll go. Okay. For those who don't know me, I want to share something about my life that uh, you should probably know because it really drives a lot of who I am. It's really deep and central to my heart and soul. And this, it, it is a fact that I am an avid Star Wars fan. Like, I like love. Yeah, there we go. My people. My people. Yes. Thank you. What? Did I like the prequels? No, no one likes the prequels. No, no. any Star Wars purist is not going to like Anakin and Padme's love story. I don't like sand. Sand is rough, not like you. Ugh, choke me. Someone force choke me, please. Um, So, what I want to do, I want to share how big of a nerd I was about Star Wars. I was actually Star Wars characters most of my years growing up for Halloween. Like, that was my thing. Um... 
I just, I was always the deal. I had Star Wars figures in my room. Of course, I had a lightsaber. You know, you see the new ones that you can get at Disneyland? Those are sweet. I want to get one of those. They're crazy expensive, but they seem worth it. But what I realized is that the original Star Wars came out before I was born, and when the, the latest 789 started in 2015, you were probably between the age of 6 and 12 years old, if you're in this room, if you're a student. You were between 6 and 12 when episode 7 came out, which actually is kind of a long time ago, right? It was, it was six years ago. But I remember seeing the trailer for Star Wars Episode Seven because it had the last movie, the prequels were terrible. So the last movie that counted came out in the, I think it was the late 80s or early, it was, yeah, late 80s. No, early 80s, whatever. The, they came out and there was this big gap. And I, you know, if you're an avid Star Wars fan and you see the trailer, I remember being so excited that the Star Wars trailer was coming out for episode seven, that I left work to go home and make popcorn so I can sit on my couch and on YouTube watch the trailer for Star Wars. It was like, you ever like, you go home so that no one spoils what happened at the football game? You're like, don't, don't tell me, don't tell me. That's what I did that with the Star Wars trailer. And so I went home and made popcorn and watched it and I was just like, <gasps> and so if you don't remember... Here is what that trailer was. I went home, I skipped work to go home and watch this. Here it is. There has been an awakening. Have you felt it? I'm not kidding, I cried when I saw that trailer. I was so excited, I cried. Tristan, thank you, my people. Like, we cried when we saw these things. It was, it was so moving, that one minute. I love Star Wars. And when you haven't seen Star Wars, a new movie come out for years, and all of a sudden they're showing the X-Wings and the Millennium Falcon, right? It gets you so excited the trailer comes out to kind of like prepare you for the, for the movie. So, right, like any good movie, like they have trailers that come out. They get you hyped to go into the theater and see it. And I remember going to the movie and everyone's like dressed like the First Order or Chewbacca or if you're short, Yoda, right? So like I remember going, everyone's like all dressed up and it was like complete nerddom. It was amazing. But here's the thing. Could you imagine if they had done things differently and they just released the movie? There was no trailer, there was no warning. All of a sudden, you just drive to the movie, you're like, oh, whoa, Star Wars. Well, that's cool. Should, 
You know, it's just different, right? If there was no preparation, if there was no warning, you're like, oh, Star Wars is out. That's a different thing than going home from work to sit on the couch to watch the trailer when you make popcorn in your living room and then cry because you're so excited, right? The trailer really helped prepare the, me for this movie, and the trailer prepares people to get them excited for what's to come. Now, as we jump into the book of Mark, how this relates, I'm not just talking about Star Wars because I want to, although I would. Uh, in the book of Mark, it starts with this guy, and his name is John. And John's job is to go before Jesus and to almost be like the coming attraction, the preview, the trailer for Jesus' ministry. So Jesus was six, year, uh, six months younger than John, and Jesus is just about to start his public ministry here on earth and do some amazing things. But check this out. The last time that anyone had heard from God was 400 years prior. Four, so it was like those were like the prequels, Right? It had been 400 years since anyone had heard any words from God. So God sends this guy before Jesus to prepare the way, to be the trailer. We call him John the Baptist, and he's kind of offering a preview of what's to come for Jesus' ministry. He's bringing the trailer to the world, if you will, letting people that know that Jesus was about to show up. So here's the text, Mark 1.1. This is the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. It began just as the prophet Isaiah had written. This is about John. Look, I am sending a messenger ahead of you, and he will prepare the way. He is a voice shouting in the wilderness, prepare for the Lord's coming. Clear the road for him. This messenger was John the Baptist. He was in the wilderness and preached that people should be baptized to show that they had been repented of their sins and turned to God to be forgiven. Now, all of Judea, including all the people of Jerusalem, went out to see and hear John. And when they confessed their sins, he baptized them in the Jordan River his clothes were woven from coarse camel hair, and he wore a leather belt around his waist. And for food, get this, he ate locusts and wild honey. Now, before you all go off thinking this guy's nuts, there's actually a really important reason why this guy's eating locusts and wild honey and why they mention it. Because the Jewish people in that time knew locusts and wild honey to have very particular meanings. Locusts were one of the judgments that God brought on Egypt, one of the plagues. God sends locusts to eat all of Egypt's crops and, and bring a famine into the land. So locusts foreshadows the ministry of Jesus and Jesus' ability to be in judgment. The judgment that Jesus would be judged for our sins on the cross. And the wild honey, the Jews knew to associate with blessing. All over the Bible, honey is associated with blessing. And so he eats locusts and wild honey. It associates with judgment and God's blessing that through Jesus, he would be judged for our sins and that God would pour out his blessings on us. In verse 7, John announced, Someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater that I'm not even worthy to stoop down like a slave and untie the straps of his sandals. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Now, one day Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee, verse 9, and John baptized him in the Jordan. And as Jesus came up out of the water, he saw the heavens splitting apart and the Holy Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, you are my dearly loved son and you bring me great joy. Some have wondered, hey, why does our church baptize adults instead of baptizing babies? Like, I came from a church where we baptize babies. The reason we baptize people as adults here is, there's a few reasons, but one of them is that Jesus set the example. He got baptized as an adult. And I think Jesus is a pretty good example to follow. So in case you were wondering, if you came from like a, a sprinkle church, 
That's why we like fully dunk people. One of the reasons why we fully dunk people here at FCC. So John goes away and, and he prepares the way for Jesus. He's the preview in the trailer. And then Jesus shows up. He gets baptized, and at this point, you think, hey, Jesus is ready to go, right? John's prepared the way. Jesus got baptized. He's ready to jump into ministry, but watch what happens in verse 12. Then the Spirit compelled Jesus to go into the wilderness, where he was tempted by Satan for 40 days. He was out among the wild animals, and angels took care of him. After all of John's prep work, we tend to think that Jesus is probably ready to start doing his thing. However, the first thing that the Holy Spirit prompts Jesus to do is not to jump right into ministry, but actually to go by himself into the woods where Satan would tempt Jesus. And the question is, why? And this has implications not only back then, but for us right here, right now. See, John was preparing us for Jesus but at this point, before being tempted, Jesus, I'll go so far to say, because he was fully God but also fully man, Jesus wasn't prepared for us. Before Jesus could take care of us, could minister to us, to be in our shoes and understand who we are so he could die for us and take our place, he had to understand us. He had to go and be tempted and tried by Satan just like we are so that he could know what it's like. I promise this has a point. Jesus, before he could relate to us, has to walk a mile in our shoes. And I want to show you an image of where Jesus actually was. It was called the Judean Desert, and it looks like that. So he's not like in this lush tropical rainforest, like just eating all these things and just living his best life. No, like Jesus is in the desert. Like if you were to go over to, to Bakersfield, it's probably about the same, right? That's what Bakersfield looks like. Here's the deal. Jesus was here somewhere like this for 40 days. That's more than a month. And while he's going on, here's what happened. Other gospels talk about this. He, Jesus fasted, which means he didn't eat for 40 days. The only reason he was able to do that is because he was God. And in that 40 days, what Satan does is he shows up and he tempts Jesus to eat. Now, eating isn't a sin, but back then and even now, fasting was a way to connect with God. So Satan comes in as Jesus is fasting and trying to connect with God. Satan's trying to get Jesus to eat and derail Jesus' pursuit of God and break his fast. My question to you guys is, have you ever felt disconnected from God? Like, like God is like, he's far away? Like you've maybe been rejected or left alone, and maybe you haven't actually been in a place like this, but sometimes our hearts, our souls, our emotions can kind of feel like, you know, when it comes to my faith, like that's where I am. It's just dry. There's nothing really going on. Satan then goes on to tempt Jesus to jump off the top of a high point so that the angels could save him. So what Satan tries to do then is get Jesus to test the limits of God. And I know for you and for me, I can only but guarantee that there's been a time, and if it hasn't happened yet, it will, that you will wonder if your sin is just too much for God. Has it pushed the limits of what God can handle? Because you're having a hard time forgiving yourself. So how could God, if you can't even forgive yourself? 
Then Jesus is tempted to go down and kneel and worship Satan in exchange for all the money, all the fame, all the reputation, and all the status in the world. And Satan now is trying to get Jesus to be motivated by what the world has to offer instead of what God has to offer. And I know, because I'm right there with you, that there are people in this room who are convinced that what the world has to offer us is better than what God has to offer us. There are people in this room who wouldn't say it in your life group, but your life shows that, that we think that drugs and being high is way better than being sober. Like sex with our boyfriend or girlfriend now is going to be way better than waiting and doing it God's way when we're married. That doing what everyone else does so we can fit in is, is actually better than doing what the Bible asks us to do. And the point of all of this is that no matter what it is, Jesus went into the wilderness to be tempted so that he could say to us, I get it. I've been there. I've done that. I've been in your shoes. I understand what that feels like in your heart and in your soul. And when you show up to church and, and you hear people talking and see people worshiping, and you're like, man, I wish I could just understand what that was like to have a connection with God, but that is what my heart and soul and spirit feel like. Jesus is not this far-off, distant God that has no clue what you and I go through. He knows us and gets us. And the only reason that Jesus is able to understand us the way he does is because he went into the wilderness. And we've been there, or we are there, or we will be there. We are walking, some of us are walking a valley that we never wanted to be in. Some of us sitting here are, came in this room feeling the pain of rejection, feeling lonely and isolated, and even go so far to say unloved after a hard breakup. Like no one sees us, like we don't matter. Or maybe we're feeling like we're damaged goods because of a choice we made or, or something that was done to us, or, or feeling hopeless because depression has sunk in and won't let go. And we smile, and we post our smiles on Instagram and Snapchat, but when the rest of the world isn't watching, it is a lonely, dark, isolated wilderness. Some of us stuck in thoughts of anxiousness, worrying about what's going to happen, and some of us, I go so far to say, because statistically it's true, some of us in this room have considered or even tried to end all of it. And even worse, we, if that hasn't been you, we, we all know someone who actually has. Because if that's what my heart feels like, if that's what my soul feels like, what's, what's the point of getting up tomorrow? Why, why bother? And into that, what I want you to know is that you are not alone. And you might ask, how do I know that? 
And I know that because the scriptures tell us that Jesus went to the wilderness to understand exactly how we feel, to feel the pain, to experience the heartbreak, to cry in loneliness and depression. And the Bible says that in every way that we are tempted and we are tried, so was Jesus. He gets it. You are not alone. And you know how else I know you are not alone? It's because I know many of you and I know your leaders. And there are leaders in this room who I've talked to even in the the past couple weeks who have experienced being pregnant in high school, being dumped, abandonment, rejection, rape, abuse, depression, anxiety, and attempted suicide. And that's just the adults in this room. Each of you has a story. Each of your leaders has a story. And your leaders in this room are so desperately hoping that they, this year, can use their story, their moments in the wilderness to minister to you, to care for you, and let you know that it's going to be okay, that they got through it, and you will too. But here's the catch. If they had not gone through those wilderness moments, they would not be able to understand yours. That doesn't make their story easier, but at least it makes their story worth something. So let me say that if you are in the wilderness, if that's what your heart feels like in some capacity right now, you are so stressed or so anxious or so depressed or so overwhelmed or lonely or hurt or fearful, I want you to know that your Savior and your leaders, they get it. And they get it because they've been there. They get it because they've been where you are, and maybe some of them even still are where you are. And if that's the case, if you are in the wilderness, please reach out. Please lean in. Please talk to a leader about things because we want to help. But also I want to say that the Bible not only promises that it's not going to be um, all for naught. The Bible says that we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose, which means that if you are in the wilderness now, Hear me. If you are in the wilderness now, like Jesus, you are being prepared for something even greater later. Jesus couldn't start his ministry until he went through the wilderness. What if God plans to use your story to save someone else from suicide? To save someone else from making the same mistake that you did? to being hope to someone hopeless, to bring joy to someone lonely. Do you know how God prepares you to be able to minister to other people, to take care of other people, to show up for other people, to be a light to other people? By letting you walk that road first. This is why we value people showing up with their real stories around here. Because you never know how your story is going to be used to take care of someone else who's in the middle of the wilderness. And if that's you, if you're here and you're in a wilderness moment, I am so sorry and I'm hopeful that your time there is short. But what I know is that you are in, if you are there now, just like Jesus, you are being prepared for something greater down the road. So don't give up. Don't let it go. Hang in, lean in, lean into people, have people walk alongside you, but don't you dare give up. Because the valley that we are in now will be a part of your ministry later. Friends, I don't have enough time tonight to tell you my story. Maybe I'll get to it next week. But I want you to know 
is that no matter what the wilderness holds for you, Jesus sees you, he gets you, he's been there, and he doesn't intend to leave you alone there. And he's holding out his hand, asking if you would take it. The question is, are you going to reach up and grab his hand? Or are you going to keep trying to do things your way on your own? If you're in the wilderness today, my hope and prayer, I'll just read this, is that today you will lean into the people who have been there because they get you. And by going through this, one day you will be prepared to take care of someone else who is going through the same thing. The valley you're in now will prepare you for your greatest ministry later. Verse 14, later on, after John was arrested, Jesus went into Galilee where he preached God's good news. The time promised by God has come at last, he announced. The kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe in the good news. Jesus went on from the wilderness to absolutely, fundamentally change the world. But it was after, and only after, he walked through the wilderness. Tonight, we're going to do life groups. We'll talk more about that after worship. And as we do, I want to encourage you, and I want to encourage the leaders who are leading the life groups to go first, to share a story of a moment when you were in the wilderness and your heart and your soul and your life felt like that. Because you never know what students in your group are going to be in the exact same boat and your greatest valley leaders, or your, your deepest valley leaders might just be the greatest ministry you have here at this church. If you're sitting here and you're hearing this and you want to share your story, I'm looking for people to come tell their story on camera so we can show them, encourage other people what God is doing. Come talk to me if you're interested. And during worship, if, if you're like, Josh, I get you. That's how I feel. And I feel like that's who I am right now. I want to encourage you, don't leave here tonight without talking to a leader. Worship's a great time to sneak back, talk to a leader, and ask them to just pray for you. Yeah, it's their first night back. Yeah, you don't know them. So what? This is the safest place for something like that. And if your friends are going to judge you for getting up and asking for someone to pray for you, they shouldn't be your friend. If you want someone to pray with you, don't be embarrassed, don't be shy, go grab a leader because at the end of the day, what I want this place to be is not a museum for all of us to come look pretty and put together and like we're all perfect. This is not a museum for good people, this is a hospital for broken ones. Your leaders have been there, we get you, we see you, and we love you. Let me pray. Father, thank you for this night. I pray any of my words that are of you, we'd remember. Any of my words that are not of you, that we would say, that we forget as soon as we say, amen. I pray that you would bless these, uh, this worship to, um, to glorify you. And I just want to say a special prayer for those who, as I'm saying these things, they're sitting here and thinking, that's me. He spoke directly to me. Got to know the feeling of when a, a sermon feels like it's speaking directly to you, directly to me. And I pray those people would have the boldness and courage to get up and, and share their heart with the leader and, and be prayed over, knowing that the leaders aren't here to change. They can't change the world, but God, through prayer, you can. God, meet us where we're at in the middle of our wilderness journey. 
And by doing so, God, lead us to some of the most powerful ministry that our life could ever offer. Thank you for making beauty from ashes. In your name we pray. Amen.